Hello, beautiful tribe. This podcast is sponsored by Uvita. Thousands of years ago, before modern medicine proved scientific evidence for mind and body connection, the sages of India developed Ayurveda, which continues to be one of the most sophisticated, powerful mind and body health systems up to date. And I can begin to tell you, tribe, that it's about putting the power back in your hands. And the company that's helping you do that is Uvita. I've been on Uvita for a couple months now so that I can have a healthy gut and be able to clear my gut and be able to have the best digestive system that I can have. Because healing your gut allows the body to build a stronger immune system and produce the right kind of bacteria that tells your brain that it's okay to feel good. And as, as everyone knows, I'm the shaman who likes to stay lit and make sure the tribe is lit all day long. And so it's important for us to feel good in our bodies. And it's important for us to live a very healthy life. Uvita is a company that is doing that. They are utilizing the knowledge and understanding of Ayurveda in their company, wild harvested and organically grown herbs that they synergistically create in an Ayurvedic way to be able to give you what you need for your body to sustain health, wellness, and vitality. Everything that they have in their company is based in integrity, ethically sourced from natives who practice sustainability. And I can't begin to tell you how happy I am to share this with you and to have them be one of the sponsors for Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. Their products offer everything from immunity to healthy joints and to healthy mood and healthy digestion and a healthy body. What more can you ask for from a company that is bringing Ayurvedic understanding to the Western world in a way that is supporting us and lifting us and shifting us into the greater possibilities of who we are? So I welcome you to experience Uvita. You can even contact them by going to their website, which is www.uvita.com. And you make your first order, type in the word shaman, which is their code for the Ancient Wisdom Today podcast tribe. And you will get 35% off on your order for your first order of Uvita. But I'm telling you, the moment you start taking this product, you're going to see dramatic change in your body and the way you feel. And that is the best. And as the tribe knows, I'm all about putting the power back in your hands. So go ahead and check out Uvita and use my code SHAMAN. And until then, live healthy always and every day in your life. Love you. Human beings have been sharing stories for hundreds of thousands of years. And with those stories came the emotional, spiritual, and physical knowledge of the ancients. Shaman Durek is a third-generation shaman, an evolutionary innovator, and a women's empowerment leader. He's here to bring forth the ancient wisdom of our elders to help heal and bring happiness into our modern society. We're sharing ancient knowledge in modern times in order to put the power back in people's hands. Welcome to the tribe. Hello, tribe, and welcome to Ancient Wisdom Today podcast. And I am so honored to have you here in this tribe where we share information and knowledge that lifts us and shifts us into higher realities of ourself. And that's what it's about, right? Allowing love to be our motivator, to stimulate us to conversation, engagement, and to lift us into a way in which we can live together with our 
knowledge, as we share it together with the tribe, we become a strong tribe of lit individuals that are out there in their leadership, leading other people to become leaders so that we can bring the message of love forward for all beings. And we are here to love all sentient beings unconditionally and fully on every level. So I want you all to know I love you so much and I'm so happy that you're on this planet, that we all came here together and that we get to experience life in this beautiful essence and really share in this bountiful giving and nurturing and loving and sharing and just being in that ceremony of dance and play and celebration for our spirit while being here on earth and bringing that energy into the darkness and transmutating the darkness, transforming it back into its original form, which is love. That's what makes us wonderful superheroes, right? Because we are very powerful beings. And so if anyone hasn't told you today that they love you, let me be the first. I love you. I lift you. I life you. I like you. I need you. And I honor you. You are so powerful, so intelligent, so beautiful. You have so many wondrous, beautiful ideas. Everything you do and everything you say comes from this deep part of your heart. I love how you're always bringing prosperity into your life and you're always nurturing and loving yourself with, with, with beautiful foods and, and, and things to fulfill your being. I love how you're always taking time for yourself to enjoy your life and your family and your friends. I love how you're free in your spirit and that you don't care about what people think about you or say about you because you're living you and your experience and sharing it with the tribe. And that's what makes the tribe strong, right? Because each individual is honoring themselves in who they are. And therefore, it gives permission for the other person to honor themselves in who they are. And together, we are a bunch of powerful beings of light and energy and we are here on this planet and we claim it, we own it and we honor it with reverence and grace. And so I'm so happy that you're here on today's share. So one of the things that I'm really, really happy about is I have my brother David in the studio, Mr. David Dillon, a powerful native warrior of grace, love, and beauty, has come here in the studio to be with us and share his wisdom. Now, first of all, I just want to let you know something about David. He does not engage in these types of things of social media and getting involved in these things. He is a man of nature, a man of the earth. He is a man of love and healing and transformation and really bringing forth the vision of our planet and how we can adapt and, and, and step into a deeper place of evolution. And what he offers is the knowledge of his training and his, his experiences with different indigenous cultures and practices from Brazil to Peru, from Ecuador to Papua New Guinea, to Kenya, to Australia, to Costa Rica, and so many wondrous, magical places that hold so much power, which he's had to experience of taking into his being from the elders and sharing it with people on his journey. And he's quite a nomad like myself, which is wonderful because he gets to enrich himself with so many beautiful connections of people and experiences. And it's wonderful for him to share his knowledge, his wisdom with the tribe because he learns the ancient ways. And that is what we're about, is taking ancient knowledge and bringing it into a modern day time so that we can actually facilitate it associate it into our beings and operate it into our lives in a way that works from where we are in our evolution. So I want to welcome to the show um, David Dillon, aka Conscious Jaguar. Thank you for being here. 
Thank you for having me. It's a uh, it's an honor to be here and 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 to be sharing this space with you and to to meet you in in such an amazing uh, juncture of of this planet and and this tribe and and what you're talking about is uh is just resonates on all levels. So uh thank you for having me and and you know the the transmutation of of bringing things back into love, back into light is a is a real fascinating journey that the human story has played out over time. And one thing that I see on my travels is that it's pretty consistent that everyone seems to be searching for love, searching for acceptance, searching to be held. However, you know, when we take that individual responsibility to say, hold on, like maybe I already have something within me. Maybe I already have the capacity to love. Mm-hmm. And by welcoming loneliness, by welcoming the space that perhaps sometimes can be hard for people, and there's so many distractions in the modern world at the moment, just to be able to sit and say, I welcome my loneliness. What is in that? Because by accepting and really going into your capacity to be alone is your true capacity to love, to love yourself to accept yourself where you are. And then once you've cultivated that relationship, once you've strengthened that relationship, built that willpower up, being able to see, hold on a second, the world isn't against me. It is with me if I choose to be with it. And when we start to realize the alchemy that has been for eons before us, you know, as above, so below, as within, so without, there's been this consistent relationship that nature even reflects to us. You know, when we're able to allow what we are, which is a natural living organism, to simply express itself from a place of really deep listening and and deep understanding, we can begin to just dissolve the boundaries between us and culture and and many of the other things that we find in our daily lives. So love is a is an interesting word and it gets thrown around a lot, you know, but there's a level of um, power that can be cultivated through that capacity to stop, accept really see where we're at and then allow that to come out of us into our relationships with the people we love, with our friends, with work. You know, it's 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 very easy to be on that conveyor belt lifestyle of work, buy, consume, die. We really need to at some point engage with the self and make a peace offering to the self so that the universe and nature and our guardians and ancestors can start to work with us so we can come into harmony. I love that. And that is so beautifully said. And I 100% agree with everything that you um, just spoken um, with such poetic words from the nature of your being. I really believe, I, I, I find for myself, 
a great joy in being alone. And uh, it's funny because my niece was the other day, you know, saying, oh, you should be out more, you should do this. And, you know, I've always found loneliness not a lonely feeling for me. I found it as a way to, you know, to love on myself, you know, to talk to myself, to to hear what's going through myself and to just be present with myself. And I think it's important also too for, for the tribe that's listening because there are a lot of people out there who are afraid to be alone. They're always jumping from one relationship to the next relationship, you know, Mm -hmm. people constantly keeping people around them all the time. And I think there's an essence within being alone that's the nature of spirit that allows us to be able to really sink into that place where we see ourselves. And I think that's a beautiful thing um, in everything that you were saying. One of the things that I wanted to ask you is, what do you feel that's happening right now on the planet? I feel that there's an opportunity, a real opportunity for us to get out of the way of ourselves. And by doing that, to to end the story of excuses and of complaining and wanting things to be different than what they are. You know, we're in a time where leadership isn't really at the forefront of its capacity. We're not seeing the strength of leaders, we're not seeing the integrity of leadership and that's okay because that's how it is. But again, there's an opportunity for the real leaders to come forward and that starts with us. We are the leaders of the modern world and when we realize that, that is a change that is really going to contribute to the world we want to see and the world we want to live in, not just for ourselves but for the ones that we love around us and for the ones yet to come as well. You know, I I think about that relationship and, you know, that footprint that we're leaving behind. But the world is it's 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 not a harsh place. It's it's not against us. The world is a beautiful, amazing living organism that is alive, that is breathing, that is allowing us to drink from its waters, to eat from its land, to give us shelter, to give us technology. You know, I was with an indigenous elder in Australia recently and, and an aeroplane flew over and he was teaching me uh, uh, some ancient wisdom. He goes, oh, look, there's nature. And I had a little moment. I was like, wow, he's right. That aeroplane came from the earth. It was created from the earth. So, so many things that we can sometimes take for granted. But right now I see an opportunity for all of us to really step up, step forward, to welcome loneliness, to welcome your challenges, to welcome your fears. We don't need drugs. We don't need alcohol. We don't need sex. We don't need all these things to distract us and overstimulate us because it's not going to bring you what you're seeking. What you're seeking is already seeking you. It's in you. It's asking you to listen. It's asking you to stop. It's asking you to forgive and accept and to choose love. Because when we choose love, we know what that feels like. And our life is a feeling. It is not a thinking. We're not here to think our way forward. We're here to feel it. And when we trust that feeling, we start to build up our intuition. When we build up our intuition, we welcome goodness into our life. Good people, good food. We look after the temple. We express ourselves clearly and transparently. And we end the lies, you know. So many people lie to themselves and bullshit themselves like, why? 
what good is that really doing you? You know, it's okay that you've done it, but make a choice. You know, and a, a Lakota elder recently said to me, wherever you experience resistance in your life, there's an opportunity for you to get out of the way and allow love in. And I love how he said there's an opportunity. He didn't say you had to. It's like, and that's free will. We have these opportunities to get out of the way of ourselves, to end victimhood, to to see that, hold on, wait, I'm going to liberate myself. I'm going to give myself the peace offering. I'm making the choices here. And that is empowerment, to bring that power back in, to be inspired in spirito, to bring the spirit into you, to breathe it in. Say yes, yes, and 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 see where that takes you, mm-hmm. and trust that you know. Really, really trust yourself because we're all incredible, and we all have a right to be here. Every single one of us, and when we start to see that within us, we'll start to see it without us as well, and we'll stop kicking each other in the teeth for a you know a cheap German automobile and a hundred channels of shitty television. <laughs> we'll, start, we'll start actually going, hold on a second. I know, right? <laughs> let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's be friends with one another. You know, competition, it's everywhere at the moment. Like, oh, I got to be more beautiful. I got to have more money or blah, 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 blah. Like, come on, end that story. It's, I mean, it's yeah. tiring. I mean, there's people who even date people just for their looks and not really for what's inside and you mentioned something about sex and i don't want to just rule out because i'm you know i I talk a lot about sex in Mm -hmm. um some of our other um, shares but like it's about conscious sex it's about not just sex for the sake of fulfillment of this void that you have inside that you feel that if you have sex you're worthy you're valuable and you're seen but sex because you want actually want to share because you see yourself in this very sacred place and you believe that this person you know deserves to be able to share their essence with you and there's this beautiful symbiosis that takes place of two souls seeing each other not a person and another person just looking at each other's what they see on the outside but the soul sees each other and wants to share in that beautiful communion yes um so you know and i and i hear everything you're saying i i I feel that you know with the world today you know you have a lot of people who are angry and upset about the things that they see and what i what i feel and what what comes to me and you know what i see in the world is that people are angry and upset at everything but the thing is what they don't understand is that the very thing that they're angry and upset with is the part of themselves that's not stepping up into that leadership and mm. so they're using it to reflect it outward to the world and blame everything that's going wrong blame this blame that instead of realizing that everything we've been given this amazing opportunity to exercise our free will our ability to create from a place of love and so far on planet earth we have chosen to create from a place of of fear of lack of you know filling one's vessel with things that aren't really necessary to bring true happiness and so everything that we're seeing and everything that's showing up right now is an opportunity for us to take responsibility which is the ability to show up with love and say i own this and i recreate it as a creator 
into something more greater than what it is and really step up into that place. And so people are like, oh, that leader, this person, that person's doing that. Well, you also have the ability to be a leader. And that's what I love what you just said about the leadership. There is an opportunity for leadership. And really, tribe, you know, wherever you are in the world, you're hearing this right now in, in our tribal share. It is important for you to look at yourself, not look at the celebrity who just won, you know, an award or, you know, the sports star or whoever it may be. Stop looking outward and look at you and ask yourself, how can I, with where I am right now, show up as a leader and be that presence here on earth so that we're not going around feeling angry about what's happening because we are realizing that we are also responsible for creating it, right? And so... I really like that. I wanted to go into an experience that you shared with me, and I wanted you to share it with the tribe about how, um, the story about the river. And you know, can you tell that that beautiful story to the to the tribe? So uh, that story that I shared with you was uh, quite a powerful experience for me. It was a a real initiation into trusting. Uh, some of, I guess, the the signs that were leading me down uh, the path of of healing and being of service to to humanity, and I uh, I was in in the jungle with uh, an ex partner of mine, and we went and we visited a a local uh, tribes group, and and I went in there and I'd been having uh, many visions. And, and dreams of jaguars, of black jaguars, and they were coming and they were guiding me and showing me uh, showing me different insights into the unseen world that I was yet familiar with. And we went and we visited uh, this small heart in the jungle and we went in there and I connected with this young warrior and, and I went up to him and I asked him if there was anyone from his community that would be able to assist in giving me clarity with this spirit animal that was coming into my life. And uh, he said, look, I can't help you, but my brother can help you. He'll be here tomorrow, so why don't you give me your details and he'll get in contact with you. And so anyway, I went and I waited patiently over the next couple of days and I never heard anything from him. And I was a little perplexed, so I went down to the hut and I visited this young man again, and I was like, "Brother, I didn't, uh, didn't hear any news from your brother about connecting. Uh, did, did he not uh, get my message?" Like, "No, I, I spoke to my brother, and I gave him your details, and he'll connect with you. Just be patient." So I go away, and another day passes, and then I, I had to move on. So I thought, "I'll go back one more time," and I trusted my intuition, and I go back, and. Sure enough, he's like, look, I don't know why he hasn't contacted you, but he's going to be here in a few hours. Why don't you just wait? And so I went and I sat out in the jungle and the day started to come towards the afternoon and two hours passed and then three hours passed. And sure enough, I'm sitting there and mosquitoes are frequent and, and I was starting to doubt myself and why I was here and why I was seemed to be kind of pushing something. And then I hear this and this 
man ziplines through the jungle and hits a tree and he climbs down the tree and he takes off his hat and his long silky hair just flushes out down to his hips and he's this beautiful warrior man. He walks past me and he just, as he walks past me, he puts his hand out and and signals to follow him into the hut. And so I follow him into the hut and I go into the hut and I... I sit down, he sits down next to me and he uh, he asked me why I'm there and I told him about my visions with with the Jaguars and, and felt that I needed someone to be a conduit for expressing some of the uh, communication that it was sharing with me. And he said, okay. He's like, stand up. And he made me walk around this hut. And it was, the ground was quite uneven and undulated and I'm walking and I do a lap and he's like, keep going. So do maybe 30, 40 laps around this hut in the jungle. And he's like, good, come and sit next to me. And then he holds up a, a picture in front of my eyes. He's like, I want to see how you react to this. And he holds it up and it's a photo of him, this warrior inside a jaguar's mouth. And I start projectile crying. I've never cried like this in my life. And I had no emotion, I had no sadness, but I was like projecting these tears and he put the photo down and he's like, so you're probably wondering why I didn't contact you. And in that moment I was like, yeah, why, how come you never contacted me? He's like, well, I could have contacted you, it would have been easy enough, but I contacted your spirit instead. I wanted to see if your spirit could hear me and come to me because I knew why you were coming and I watched how you walked around the hut and I saw in your feet how they move with the earth and I've seen how the jaguar's feet move with the earth so now you can follow me and we go outside into the jungle we walk out in the middle of the jungle and he has this big staff this stick it's maybe six and a half feet heavy and he looks at me and he's standing face to face to me and he hands me his his stuff and gives it to me and he looks at me and says, show me where you're taking me. And I take his stuff and I listen to my intuition and I turn over my right shoulder and I start walking and make my way through the jungle. And slowly but surely and then I get to a hill and it drops down and it gets quite steep and I make my way down and he follows and we get to these vines that are growing over in front of us and I push my way through them and as I get through there's this amazing, one of the most gorgeous rivers I've ever seen going down and then it kind of curved off to the right and just down the way a little there was maybe a thousand dragonflies buzzing over the top of the river with the sun beaming through like gorgeous, like avatar. And as I'm kind of having this moment with this river I hear this splash to my left and I turn around and the shaman had jumped in to the water and this river was moving like fast and it was, you know, above waist high and he starts moving in an angle across the river and sure enough he turns and, and waves to me and so I put the staff down and I, uh, I go to get in the river, I jump in the river and I get smacked straight away and go tumbling down I hit my head I come up I'm a little perplexed and I looked at him and I was like hold on maybe 
I'll just mimic how he's moving with the water. And so surely I start to get the kind of way that he's moving through the water and I started moving and I get across and it's quite a wide river. And as we get to the other side, there's a canopy that had grown over the river and it created like this cave, but the water was still moving through. And as I get towards the opening of these vines, I look in and I see the shaman pressed up against the bank with just his eyes. And in that moment, I I felt death like I've never felt it. I felt fear like I've never felt it. I realized in that moment that part of me was uh, was going to end, was going to be lost. And I trusted that and I entered into this canopy and he grabbed me and turned and slammed me against the bank and grabbed a vine and held it against my third eye and the water started rushing down over my body and as it was I was fractalizing into light and he started singing the akaros and and as he was singing the akaros my body was becoming more integrated with the river and then he said to me in English he said are you ready to receive the great spirit and I acknowledged and he called on the great spirit like I've never heard anyone call on anything in my life it was penetrating on all levels and I felt like a thousand trains coming from the jungle and they came and they came through the vine and they hit my crown and I got completely embodied with this powerful divine feminine energy and it was the great spirit of the forest and it came into me and it it held me and it it empowered me with its skills and love to be able to use nature as a way to assist people on their journey where they're at. And I went into a state of, of deep relaxation and I was gifted this intimate connection with with the great spirit of the forest and shaman held me and he said whenever you need guidance go to nature it will give you everything and he held me in his arms and he just pushed me out of the crevice and I, I floated down the river and I never saw him again I haven't seen him again and I went off and, and began my next chapter and that was the beginning for me of making that shift across from everything I'd learned and known and seeked to the new part of me that was ready to share and give and 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 use my skills and talents to be able to help people bring them out of their discomforts, of their pains, of their disharmony and and bring nature into them, bring bring that great spirit into them so they can thrive and live a happy peaceful life. What what were you, what were you like before before this experience? Before this experience, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess it was probably a, a lead up towards all those experiences I I lived in Australia my my grandfather was a prime minister for for a decade and I grew up in a very interesting life, you know, 
Princess Diana used to visit and put us to bed and we were blessed by the Pope and we would travel and see all these amazing people and experiences. So the first 10 years of my life was quite a, you know, it was almost like a fantasy to some degree. And then I went and continued my schooling at the end of his uh, term and became very passionate about rugby and followed rugby and played semi-professionally in that space for which I loved, but I uh, was in the distractions of that world of being an athlete and uh, I was still, you know, heavily inspired by philosophy and I studied that at university and it really, you know, I was I was a pretty happy, you know, joyful guy and, and was uh, not really too engaged with, you know, the deeper spiritual side of my life and it wasn't until I was with an amazing woman who I was in a seven-year relationship with and she... I've never loved anyone like the way I love this woman. And there was all different types of love. There was a yearning love. There was a passionate love. There was, you know, a friendship love. It was it was really everything. And, uh, you know, there was a time where we weren't honest to one another. And I felt the repercussions of that on one particular experience where I really, I really hurt her, like really hurt her. And it hurt me like I've never been hurt before, like to really break the, the, that trust that, a, that another woman or another person can give you. And she went into a little bit of a hole and she actually read a, a powerful book by Louise Hayes, I think, You Can Heal Yourself. And she went into it and she got really inspired and, and she went on and she went into a healer and and this healer like had a profound effect on her and after a couple of weeks she started talking to me because she loved me and she cared about me and she wanted me to be, you know, my greatest self as well. And she's like, Dave, like, you need to go and see this woman. And I was like, umming and ahhing. And anyway, I eventually went and saw this woman and I went in there and I answered the, I, I knocked on the door, she answers the door and this amazing beautiful, white-haired, like gentle, loving woman, maybe in her 50s. And she looks at me and she's like, oh, you're a light worker. And I like turned over my shoulder, like I didn't know what a light worker was. And she's like, don't worry, you'll get it eventually. And so I come in and we sit down, we're talking, and then she uh, she taps into my wrist and she goes into my wrist and she goes through my body and she goes into the organs, into the liver, into the spleen, liver, male, 15, 18, 10, male 10, she puts my wrist down. She looks and says, tell me what happened between you and your brother when you were 10. And I started to get very emotional and my body went into shock. And my mother struggled with alcohol when she was younger, when I was younger. And there was one particular time where we were hiding in a room and I went to jump out the window to go to my friend's house. And my brother grabbed me and he's like, please don't leave me. And I left him. And I went to my brother's house, to my friend's house, sorry. And and our relationship was never really the same from that. And it was a, it was a trauma that I had inside of me as a 10-year-old boy that I was unaware of. And she said, it's okay. We can forgive that boy. He didn't know. He was just 
escaping a situation that he didn't feel comfortable in. So we went through and, and we cleared it. And then there were a series of other events that happened in the experience. It was very powerful to a friend of mine that had passed, came into the room and gave me information about certain things for his family and for myself that were beyond. So after the experience, I left and I go out and I'm sitting down at the end of the street looking out over Sydney Harbour. And I realized that in that moment that everything I'd ever known, had ever experienced, had all of a sudden been shattered because there's more to this life than I'd known. And this woman knew things about me that no one knew. Not even I knew. It was that deep in my subconscious. So I opened myself to what this is and then I became inspired. And I was like, okay, I'm going into this. I would like, I want to, I want to follow whatever this energy is. And I began that path. I, I went and I started with a Vipassana meditation. I read books. I read videos, Terence McKenna, you know, all of them. I went deep into it and it was with really, you know, more of the medicines, particularly ayahuasca that really came to me and gave me guidance and strength and showed me what I was seeking. And that's what led me up eventually to spending time in the Amazon and training and then eventually that experience that I shared earlier with the river. So, you know, I've lived a life, I've I've been in it, I've I've watched my family, you know, be in the spotlight. I've followed, you know, my passions. I've you know, I've partied, I've I've laughed, I've loved, I've been scared, I've, you know, I've wondered and I've I've really seen a taste of culture and I feel I can relate to so many people on this planet and I really first and foremost am ingrained in what I've directly experienced for myself with ancient wisdom with indigenous cultural practices. And I've visited them and I've seen them, how they're living in harmony with one another, how they're living in harmony with nature and how the simplicity of that way of life and the culture they've created can be replicated and can be something that many of us share. And these, this goes beyond religion or beliefs or cultism or any of this. It is just a way of living in harmony and it is a way of the heart and, you know, it is, it is truth for the modern world and the modern world has been dislocated by, you know, systems and people and manipulative uh, distractions that keep us. I mean, that is, a, that is a really big issue and I, going off of what you said and the the core um, energy that I look at from indigenous culture to to society is that in indigenous culture, and um, I was having this conversation uh, with an elder, is that indigenous culture, when you're operating in a tribal type culture, you're operating in the consensus that every single person in that tribe offers something to that tribe and that they're not seen as one is higher than the other. Everyone is operating in the field of you know, sharing and gathering and bringing that information in. The outer rim of that 
It's not bombarded. It's not aggressive. And it's not coming in and saying, oh, you're missing something. You need to go get this. Or you don't have this. You need to go have that. And you're not good enough than that person. So you need to do this because there's no out there. The outer rim is so solid that nothing gets into that, that rim. And that in regular in society, there, that is completely open. So what happens is the bombardment of, you know, media, television, you know, this person thing, this thing, billboards, this, that, all these different things are bombarding the person and the individual to believe that there's some kind of lack existing in them yes. that creates a yearning that they have to go and uh, get something, be something, or achieve something, and takes them out of the center. And so in a tribal culture, there, that rim, that that circle, that circumference that that encompasses the tribe, doesn't have holes, and so that everyone in the tribe keeps that that circle strong, and so the outer stuff doesn't come in. And so what makes that what happens is the tribe becomes strong through community, through connection, and they see what's more important. What's more important is understanding what's in that rim, and so. What's in that rim is nature and animals and plants and their own tribal people and, you know, and the connection and family and all of that is within that ring. And so that's where the energy becomes very concentrated. And when you are in a concentrated energy source, you are going to learn about the plants in that environment. You are going to understand the animals that exist within that and you're going to have a harmony with them because they are part of that preservation Mm-hmm. And what happens in society is that we don't have the knowledge of preservation. Mm-hmm. So we operate from a very uh, disassociation, uh, divisiveness of, you know, seeing um, every person not as a part of we have to preserve our environment that we reside in, the people that are in our environment, the knowledge and the wisdom that has been given to us within that environment. We disperse everything. We don't have a connection to it. And so therefore people operate from this idea that everything that's outside of them and everything that's within, because they're is no containment is not necessary to put their attention upon. Mm-hmm. So what happens is it's easy for any system to manipulate and to bring ideas of lack and limitation to create a disassociation through race, through sex, through uh, how much money you have in your bank account, to how popular you are in social media, to any of these things and distract yourself, distract you from what's really valuable, which are the people that are in that ring, the people that are, you know, experiencing each individual person's knowledge and wisdom that's within that ring and preserving it for not just for yourself, but for the adaptation of all that's that's in that space. And then knowing about the animals and nature that's in that place. You know, a lot of people don't even know where they're residing right now. What is the birds of their region? What are the plants within their region? What are the major resources of power within their region? Even in New York City, I just talked about the fact that a lot of people who are New Yorkers don't even know what New York City is. They're just, oh, I'm moving to Manhattan. I'm moving to New York. They don't know that that's Native American land. And in that land, there is a rich source of power that the the system has been using for money and, and, and for Wall Street and for all of these, you know, big conglomerate companies have been sucking that energy for years and years and years back, way back during the time of the fur trade with the French that started the whole killing of the Native Americans to take that land and make 
get their own and build what you have today called Manhattan. Mm -hmm. No one knows that. They don't know why they feel this intense energy all the time. They think it's just because the cars and the buildings, whatever. They don't realize that there's a power source that they're stepping on that is literally creating, and not just there, but in other places of the world as well. So it's interesting because one of the things that I find fascinating about humanity is this you know, this need for community, this need for a tribe, this need for, you know, even with right now with everyone who's listening to the share, it's, you know, everyone who's listening to the share is a part of this tribe. And so every time they come in to, you know, this circle of, of listening and sharing, they're a part of every other person in the world from, you know, I was, I don't know if I was showing you yesterday, like all the places where people listen to this, to this podcast. Mm. Africa, Indonesia, you know, all over the world, there are people right now who are listening and sharing in that knowledge and that creates a preservation, right? And then the more people come into that circle. So it's like creating, for me, it's about creating the knowledge of what it means to preserve because we are such a culture where we're even creating and making products and things that actually break and fall apart because we're not in the understanding of cultivating preservation within our in our being preserving our nature preserving our wisdoms preserving culture preserving all of these things like there's no culture on this planet that should be wiped out or killed or decimated because someone doesn't understand their ways or understand the you know um in my family in africa you know, my grandmother and my great-grandmother, my great-grandmother during the 1800s, you know, she dealt with, um, you know, being uh, family members of ours were taken into slavery, you know, and put into Dutch slave camps. And, you know, the preservation of culture, a lot of African cultures and a lot of cultures have been lost. A lot of cultures, not just in African culture, but in other cultures have been lost because we don't have that awareness. What do you think about that? Well, I think... You know, again, it comes back to what has been working, you know, what has been working. Some of, you know, your native people and some of these other native people that you mentioned that we're talking about, they have cultural practices that have been working with them and with nature. And so there's been consistencies and harmonies. You know, the way that we look at it now, you know, as, as Terence McKenna said, you know, culture is a shabby lie. It is not your friend the way that we've created it. So it's, you know, there's, there's good things about it, but the, there's ultimately opportunity again for us to clean it out a little and to come back into being more grounded and being more transparent and more real. And that starts with simply just honoring where we are. You know, like you mentioned about New York. Okay, what's New York? Well, this is native lands, you know. We're on native territory and even beyond when they were there. So what are they standing on? Well, they're standing on this great planet. And I really, you know, we, we hear it a lot, but this planet is alive. It is, it is a conscious organism. And we can simply start by recognizing that, okay, what's my relationship with it? Start to speak with ourselves. What, what is my relationship with this earth and with this particular region that I'm living in. And one thing that I really brought into my life more recently through an amazing, uh, I guess, integration with, with working with traditional Mashika uh, ceremonies was making offerings and giving thanks. And so when I started doing that 
at first it was it was unfamiliar, but when I started doing that, I started to feel like a, a more intimate connection with nature. I would make offerings before I'd eat a meal. I would go and offer food to, to the earth. Thank you for this food came from you. You know, the water comes from you. And it may sound a little funny sometimes to people listening. Oh, but what? No one can hear you say that. Like that sounds like, no, it's, it's actually, it's, it's alive and it, and it can hear us. And when we start to recognize that, and it's also just a beautiful thing to, to get outside of yourself and say, hold on a second, you know, thank you. Thank you to the spirits of this land, to the ancestors of this land. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to take in what you're providing. And I think when we start to develop that relationship as individuals, uh, we can start to create, you know, this web that goes outside of just the inner circle because it's easy for us to just get caught in that. I've got my friends and my family and I'm not going outside of that. Like I don't know that person. Like people don't even know who their neighbors are. They've got fences and walls. You know, like maybe you nod to them once every fortnight, but it's like, come on, is that the future? Is that where we're heading? Because we, we've got to wake up. We've got to awaken to ourselves that we are the leaders. We're not going to see it from, you know, Donald Trump or any of these other people. Like they're playing the perfect role because they're showing us. They're showing us. It's in plain day now. No longer do we have to think about what's going on behind those walls. We're seeing it firsthand like an ugly cyst. So again, an opportunity for us to come in and recognize through, you know, what I try to teach uh, my students is, is actions of gratitude. You know, actions of gratitude are the fastest way of getting you out of your mind, getting you out of your fears, getting out of your struggles. What are you grateful for? You know, what about breath? That's a good place to start. Mm-hmm. If you weren't breathing, you wouldn't be here. You know, your body, look after your body, be grateful. There's there's so many things. Uh, someone asked me, how many things could I be grateful for? And I'm like, really? I, I should come back in a decade and you should still be able to write how many things you are grateful for. So gratitude is a really beautiful way in, in just seeing that maybe, you know, the world is a bigger picture than just us and that these cultural practices that have been used by many different tribes, people from all over the planet have, there's many synchronicities there, you know, look at the sacred sites, look at where they are, look at all the different wisdom that's shared between, you know, from the Druids to the Egyptians to the shamans of the Americas to the indigenous of, you know, of Australia and, and to 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 the Eastern philosophy, it's all linked. And I mean, we've got hieroglyphs in in Australia in caves from you know Egyptian visitors to our indigenous elders. So we've we've done this before. You know, this isn't our first time around. And it's okay. Things are the way they are. There's there's one thing that I choose not to do, and I I choose not to project hate or project fear, or project, you know, the wanting for change. It's, I, I really choose to accept things as they are, because I find peace in that. And then I choose to be responsible for what I'm going to put out there to everyone I come in contact with. And 
that is a real art. And, you know, we, we've known this. The Armanians were very aware of that. The, the word abracadabra, a lot of people don't even know what that word means. They associate it with magic. And it is magic in the sense that the original meaning of the word means with my word I create. Mm-hmm. So the Amanis were aware of this. They were aware of the alchemy of bringing thought into reality. You know, we are creating our reality. Our words are creating reality. You put hate into the world or dislike or anger, you're, you're creating that magic. It's a spell, you know. You cultivate awareness and you sever that disassociation between the subconscious and the unconscious where you just say anything and really start to bring in mindful words, mindfulness, you know, accountability and say, hey, you know what? Instead of saying that, I'm just going to like breathe that out of me. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to scream. I'm going to, you know, whatever you need to do to allow whatever's in your mind that perhaps doesn't need to be bought out find that, strengthen that, see what it does for you. It will empower you. It will give you confidence. It will change your life. And then maybe start to choose things that do serve. You know, what words do you want to create? How do you want people to feel? Because they're going to feel it, you know, they're going to feel the way you express yourself. And why don't we all choose to express ourselves in a way that is really aligned with goodness? Absolutely. Mindful words, tribe. Mindful words. So I wanted to talk about the gratitude part because I've, I had this uh, couple and they had this gratitude journal and they were writing in it, you know, and one day I was at their house and the woman said to me, you know, I want to show you my gratitude book that I, you know, I'm grateful for these things every single day. So I said, okay. And I looked at it and I said, and I read, you know, as I'm grateful for my kid winning the honor roll, I'm grateful for the sun that shines in the morning. I'm grateful for my breath and I'm grateful for these things. And I said, that's great. I go, I, but the thing is for me, and I said to her, I said, that's easy to be grateful for. I said, that's so simple. Wow. You're grateful for the sun. You're grateful for your breath. You're grateful for your son's honor roll. I go, what about, are you grateful for that time when you were molested when you were a kid? Are you grateful for the fact that your husband left, your first husband that you married left you and um, cheated on you? Are you grateful for the abuse of mom that you had who constantly called you names and put you down and made you feel like uh, that you didn't matter? I feel like it's easy for us to be grateful for these things because it's easy to say these things. I think real transformation, and this is just you know something that I have discovered and I started teaching my students and being grateful for the things that you don't want to be grateful for. And through that, I feel that real magic starts happening because I feel like it's easy for me to say I'm grateful for my breath and I'm grateful for my legs. It's great. I'm grateful for my dad beating the shit out of me as a kid. You know, I'm grateful for the fact that my stepmom constantly called me names and told me that I was a faggot and told me every single word that she could come up with that would try to, you know, uh, decimate my character. Right. And through being grateful for that, it allowed me to transmute that behavior of those experiences with her and my dad and utilize it for love and devotion and really driving the energy of, of just embracing and loving people, even at their very worst experience. And um, so I just, you know, I totally believe in the grateful thing, but I also feel like, you know, it's, I feel like we take in, you know, in African shamanism, we have this belief, which is like, 
you know, if you go through like thorns, right? It's it's like it's greater to go through the thorns and experience you overcoming that so that you don't get affected by it. That's why if you look at a lot of African warriors, they put themselves into very difficult situations because they feel that if they can confront the very thing that's difficult, then everything else becomes really easy. And so the way that I was raised is to really um, dive into the uncomfortable places. And so the idea of gratefulness has become this really big thing on the planet. And I hear people talking about, oh, I'm grateful for my smoothie. I'm grateful. I mean, and I see it in LA I'll, or in New York. I'll people say, oh, I'm grateful that I had a, a great yoga class today. That's great. I'd like to see people say, I'm grateful for the man that told me off today. I'm grateful for the fact that I got a phone call and they have, you know, decided that they're going to take, you know, put this, this situation on me that I didn't want to deal with. It's like, I think that if we become, you know, it's like I was telling my friend of mine in London, you know, he does meditation. He's a, a big meditation um, guy. And I said, you know, it's easy to meditate in Silent Brook with running water and breeze going by and be in that very peaceful place or it's but it really doesn't build your spiritual immunity spiritual immunity can only be built and this is the way and this again you know some people can disagree with me but this is how i learned in african culture you know to truly become a spiritual warrior which is a warrior of love a person who's there to stand against injustice and stand against the odds of situations and be able to hold love and hold that space and why i look at people like mandela and i look at a lot of like the zulu tribe and i look at you know shaka zulu and all these different people who've come and the resilience of you know they even did a test recently um, saying that, you know, women who are um, African-American who go to war in other countries and come back, they don't have, they don't go into post-traumatic stress disorder. They don't go into suicide thoughts because we're raised in this very old African way that we have to embrace the pain and use that as our, um, our mobility. And so when you see like, you know, Mandela who can sit in prison and get beat up every single day. The guards were coming in his room and beating him to death. And then him being able to come out of that situation and rise out and lift the country into this place of like, hey, let's bring these two people together. Even the people who caused me pain, let's bring them together. I think it comes from spiritual immunity. It comes from the ability to build not just an immune system within your physical body, but to build an immune system in your emotional body, in your mental body, and in your spiritual body. And that comes from embracing those uncomfortable things and making them the jewels and the gems and the beautiful rubies and stones that you wear upon your energy as this, like, I've embraced the darkness. And I think, going back to what you were saying, so I, I want to say, Tribe, you know, I think it's great to say you're grateful for these things and so forth, but I would really encourage you to utilize gratefulness into the things that you don't find um, comfortable, to really lean into those aversions and brace them so that you have no fear of going into the unknown. And I think that would definitely help you a lot. So going back, and I love everything that you're saying, and uh, it's really bringing up a lot because I know the tribe's listening and they're just like, wow, this is amazing. You're bringing so much knowledge and wisdom. What are your, what are your thoughts when it comes to um, people who have anger and what ways can they deal with anger? Because right now we have a lot of angry people on the planet, a lot. And 
you know, people are finding it very challenging to how do I get rid of this anger? What do I do with this anger? Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, anger is a teacher in many ways, you know, and just as you're highlighting towards you'd like to see people be grateful for being told off, it's there's a level of what you said as well, which I really liked, which is embracing, embracing that. So I think if people are angry, then firstly, don't resist that. Like if that anger is there, it's it's not always ideal to just suppress it and hold on to it because we don't need it to come back in other ways and perhaps in ways that become violent or even where we lose control. And we see people that sometimes lose control with their anger and that most often is because it's been suppressed. So I think, you know, for people that are angry, it's it's okay. It's, it's okay to have that. But really the, the most helpful thing you can do is to take responsibility for your anger. And that responsibility can be by, hold on a second, it's not of best interest really to be putting this onto somebody else because that anger wasn't created by someone else. You've created it. It's in you, you know, like you're not what you think I am. It's, it's, it's everything has come out of us. So whatever that is, it's come from an origin. It's come from a trigger and let's go to the depth of that trigger. Let's see what that trigger is because there's disharmony there. And the best way for me to really deal with anger is to have the master mirror, which is nature. So if you can get out into nature sit with your anger, scream if you need to scream, dance if you need to dance, beat the earth, you know, just vomit, spew, like do whatever you need to do if you can do that. And there's always a way to find nature. If you really can't find nature, go into your room, put your headphones on, get a journal, do some writing, express yourself, Let welcome it out of you, welcome it out of you, take responsibility for it. And because the world really will benefit from you doing that. You know, we don't need any more angry people in in the world. We've we've got enough of them as it is. So there's a way of dealing with that and that's by just being responsible for it, not fighting it, not you know, thinking that you're a bad person because you're not. You're you're you know, you're an absolute perfect person. You're you're being given the gift from creator. And this is just all part of your becoming. And so that anger is, it's okay, accept it, but then deal with it appropriately. And there are many different ways. There are a few that I've mentioned. And again, like sometimes countering that energy with something that makes you feel good, whether it's a song or, you know, even a good friend of yours, express your anger to them and really find a place where you can make a decision to end the story. You know, like why, why is it that anger is coming into your life? And uh, if it's there, then perhaps, you know, there's an opportunity to go deeper with that into different healing arts, like people like yourself. And there's many other amazing people out in the community, in the tribes all over this planet that can help people deal with perhaps that anger that is they're at a loss for because some people are at a loss with how to deal with their lives and and how to deal with their pain 
and their traumas and their anger. And I have compassion for that because I see it all the time. I have people coming to me all the time and and I help them. I help them deal with that. And so firstly, just to even know the people that are listening, that there are people out there that can help and that do want to do things necessary that can bring you back in to a peaceful state. So, you know, anger is a part of the human journey where we're not these, you know, divine, joyful beings running around playing harps all the time. We we are in a process of evolution. And so let's evolve out of anger and let's evolve to a place of responsible accountability for our emotions. I love that. You know, one of my elders said to me that uh, anger is sadness and that the person is sad. And there was a time where I used to be very angry in my life. And one of my elders said to me, you're very sad. You should look at why you're so sad. And then, you know, I said, well, I still can't get rid of the anger. And they said, yes, because you're sad and you want justification for your sadness. And that's why you're stuck in the anger. So the moment you decide to let surrender the justification, it's the moment you release yourself from that anger. I, you know, I, and I also want to say to the tribe, I just had an amazing shamanic uh, healing here by David. And it was really amazing. And I really um, love the devotion that you have to creating the sacred space in your healing. You know, I mean, for me as a shaman, I've taken shamanism and moved it out of the that very ritualistic way of doing things and got more into the connection of bringing it into science, bringing it into the allopathic world, bringing it into, you know, um, psychotherapy and all this type of stuff. And you know, I used to travel a lot with a drum and a rattle and do all of these things. And then, and then I stopped because I started working with people who are like Wall Streets and main people and stuff and really wanting to show doctors like, hey, I'm not coming in with rattles and drums. I'm going to show you power and, and bring that to you. But what I love about you is that you're keeping that tradition of that energy alive. And it's so beautiful. I had an amazing, amazing um, treatment. I got to be with my elders and my tribe, both on my father and mother's side. I was experiencing my African tribe. And then I saw my mother's side. The I saw the gates of Valhalla open and I saw my um, the elders from there came. Um, Fenric came and spoke to me and one of my elders talked about, and she gave me like three runes. And, uh, you know, one of them was the Yurus and the Feyu and the Ilnas and basically told me that, uh, that Freya and that, Lo- um, that Loki and, you know, that Odin and everyone is with me all the time. And then I, you know, I got to do that. And then I got to see um, the Native American side of my mother's side of the family as well. And, you know, it was really powerful. All this stuff came up for me um, sexually, the things that have happened to me in times in my life where I've, you know, I've been um, sexually abused and, you know, brought up stuff for that and really helped me to to look at that from a different place of where I'm at in my life right now and, and how I'm operating in the world. And so that was really beautiful. And, you know, and just so many things happened. There was one point I was in this mountain, which is where I like to be the most, where I'm with trees and, and snow and there was rocks and was really beautiful. And then at one point I was on the beach looking up at the sky 
and seeing the blue sky and and the waters and the oceans and then my body started shaking and moving and i can hear you doing um the you know the different icaruses and um i could hear and feel the energy moving around me and it was the pounding of my chest was really amazing you know there was just really beautiful energy coming from your being and i really you know suggest to the tribe that to you know to get into you know learning more about david and getting into his beautiful uh i don't even call it work i'm gonna because you know we in tribe we we change the word from work to love so just my guys like remember you changed work to love so getting into his love is really important and beautiful and um such a divine expression so i wanted to thank you for that uh because it's uh was such a gift and an offering and i think that you know, anyone who wants to have an amazing experience should definitely look into David and uh, make an appointment to meet with him for, you know, for that loving ceremony. So, you know, one of the things that I've been noticing a lot on the planet is how people are abusing plant medicine and utilizing tribal culture, utilizing the the, the beauty in the essence of the reverence that comes from, from long lineage, you know, and utilizing it for these very quick fixes, these, these you know, I call it, uh, you know, this kind of like um, instant gratification experiences. What are your thoughts on that? I, my thoughts on that are that like anything you want to engage in, you you want to do a, a little bit of research and and background into putting yourself in these environments. And for me, you know, there's, there's many things that people choose to do. You know, people choose to go to bars and drink lots of alcohol. People choose to do X, Y, and Z. But when it comes to uh, ceremonies and planned medicines, uh, they're not a game. They're they're very sacred and divine indigenous practices for healing and for deeper insights uh, for for your soul's journey. And if people are going to choose to make that decision, then I encourage them to find out about the facilitator and to find out where the medicine has come from who made the medicine? Did the shaman make the medicine or did, you know, he buy it off the internet? These little things, like who's going to be there? Like how many ceremonies have you been doing? Maybe try and get some feedback on someone that has sat in one of their previous ceremonies so you can gauge a little bit about the experience. For me... What about being indoors? Well, indoors can be... Like someone's house or someone's apartment. It's it's not an ideal environment at all to really be be doing uh, ceremonial work. You know, an ideal environment is to be in nature, and if not in nature, you know, in a structure that allows you to at least be within that field. So you know, going down to perhaps some of these uh, other parts of the world where that is a way of life and that these shamans, which are custodians of wisdom between, you know, the plant kingdoms and, and the human experience, there is, there is wisdom there, there is healing there, there are, you know, there are teachings there, but it's, it's something that I think as there's been more interest in plant ceremonies, 
there has also been more slip-ups and and more of these issues that seem to come out of them. For me, I honor the medicine. It's the medicine, it's the plants that we're taking in. And if that is done in the right environment with the right facilitator, then it can be beneficial to people that are looking to perhaps grow in some way. So firstly, before even engaging with these medicines, don't do it because you heard Jim Carrey say it on YouTube or you heard it at, you know, an organic cafe about someone doing a ceremony. Like really sit with it and see how it feels for you. Does this feel right for me? Should I be, should I look at engaging in this ceremony? Okay, this feels really good. Like my intuition says yes. And then go about it in a way that uh, can be diligent and you can make sure that you're looked after and your experience can be one that benefits you and not one that potentially is detrimental to you because uh, you've shared that, you know, you've come into people in your tribe that that has happened and, and it does happen, but I've also seen a profound amount of beauty come from people that have engaged with these medicines and I have a deep respect for these medicines and used in the correct way, they, they can bring a lot of value. What would you say to someone who takes um, plant medicine every week? Well, firstly, I'd like to know who that person is and if they're doing it for training or a deeper cultivation of the, a particular connection that they have with that medicine. If it's a form of escapism or using it as a euphoric high or a way of, you know, being in the etheric playground for the sake of just being there, then I would like to ask them a few questions. So if, if people are doing that, then, you know, there's, uh, it's, it's an open-ended situation that, you know, I would have to look at on an individual basis. But if you're kind of pointing to it that there are people out there just doing that, then I would really suggest that they ask themselves why they're doing it. And if they are doing it for that, then perhaps it's a, it's a time for them to take a rest and to be abstinent from everything and see, see how you feel then. Are you still the same person? Are you still able to smile? Are you still able to operate? Because people can so easily become dependent on it. And you see it in their subconscious, you know, it's like, ah, oh, no, I'm fine. You just smoke three joints. Like, you don't seem that fine. Like, <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, it's, it's a way of like cultivating reverence. Yeah, I'm glad that you said that. That's why I asked you. Cultivating reverence is, allows us to then, you know, not just do things for the sake of it. Yeah, I really, I'm really happy that you said that because I, I, that's something that I talk a lot to the tribe about is uh, reverence and devotion, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, I see a lot of people, I see a lot of beautiful things come from the medicine from people, but I also see a lot of people also, you know, using it as escape. And I've seen a lot of people use it as a way to follow a trend. You know, I have people say to me, oh, you know, I'm going to go do ayahuasca. Why? Oh, because my girlfriend did it and her husband did it and their friend did it. So I think I should do it now. 
And I'm just like, oh, okay. And, you know, and ayahuasca isn't the only medicine. There's peyote, there's, you know, mm. iboga, you know, there's African catbush. I mean, there's, you know, morning glory. There's a lot of different medicines that are out there. And I, I love how you said it because it's important that people do know the resource. They do the, the, the due diligence. <laughs> Is that word? Um, they do the due diligence and really figure out, you know, like, you know, I had a situation once where someone was talking to me um, and they was like, oh yeah, this is the shaman who did the medicine. I asked the shaman, how long have you been working with medicine? He said, oh, I've been doing it like six years. And I said, well, six years, that means you're very young. You haven't really, um, you know, you, you may be working with the medicine, but do you have the wisdoms and the knowledge and the things that happen if someone goes into, you know, um, you know, anaphylactic shock or if they go into, you know, cardiac arrest or if they, you know, have an adverse reaction that happens to them with the medicine? Um, do you have, because I, I know a lot of shamans who have that training, they have the knowledge of if something doesn't go right, how to deal with it, you know, and there's people out there now who are just like, you know, jumping on the, the medicine wagon and going out to places, watching the shaman do it or learning from them for maybe a couple days, maybe a week, coming back to the Western world and administrating it out of their homes and apartments and so forth. And people have died because of it, because they do go into these adverse reactions. Some woman had a situation where she had an allergic reaction and it caused her body to go into anaphylactic shock and she ended up you know, suffocating to death. And I have a lot of friends in Peru, a lot of different friends all over the world who've told me that they've known of shamans who've been burying people in their backyard because they didn't have um, the ability to save them because they were not near a hospital or anything and they didn't have the ability. And so I think that you know, with everything that we embark upon, I think having a certain level of knowledge and also the willingness to really ask yourself, like, what are you doing it for? Why are you doing this? Are you doing it because you really, because in, you know, in African shamanism and same also in Mongolia and Mongolian shamanism and, and also in Bali as well, and the Balinese shamans, there is an old tradition that goes back, which is the medicine is the last resort. It's the resort that you go to if you worked with the shaman and they did all of these other things on you and you still can't get past that, they administer medicine. And and so it's interesting because in our in the Western world, the moment you get sick and you show a symptom, the first thing they're handing you is medicine. So people have this kind of belief system that like, I have to take the medicine first instead of cultivating the spiritual understanding of what's happening to me. And what I would like to see more of on the planet is that people cultivate the shamanic practices without the medicine first to get to see if they need the medicine. And then that way they're already getting the cultivation and they're getting the energy and they're getting the connection to the ancestors. They're already getting the spirits working through their body. And then if the shaman feels like, okay, we've we've done these things and there's still these things that need to happen, your symptoms are still showing up. You know, it could be whatever the symptom may be because, you know, shamans were the original doctors. We were considered witch doctors at one time. And then the Saxon word shaman came forth, which means one who knows, um, came forth in, and then became a widespread amongst the witch doctors and they started calling themselves shamans. But we were known as witch doctors in the beginning and we were the tribal um, ones in the tribes who interfaced with the plants, knew about the different flowers and talk. And we had such a strong sensorium with nature that the plants would tell us how they work and then we would trust it and do it. And that's what set us apart from the rest of the tribal members is that we were the shamans would choose 
a shaman based upon certain characteristics. And one of the characteristics was complete trust in spirit. The other one was um, ability to have dreams and to dream um, for the tribe or to dream outside of the tribe. The other one was um, how playful they were, what a kid-like personality they had. Like they could dance free. They could, they would, they wouldn't fall in alignment to like the hunters or the gatherers or the the basket makers or the you know the ones who made the clay or whatever it was. They never felt connected to any of those things. They were always more about um, finding this this other side of them that was like wandering off in nature. And then the shaman would come and ask them like, why did you leave the tribe? Why are you over here? And, and they would say, oh, because I, this bird, I saw this bird and I heard this voice speak to me and it told me to come here. And so the shaman goes, hmm. And so the shaman would look at the rebel in them and the rebel the soul is a rebel shows the first sign of someone you know being a shaman so there's certain traits and then the other ones is the ability to um have prophecy the ability to see energy and read it or have visions or hear voices through any one of their senses be it their audio their visual or their feelings and the other one was to be able to take information that they see that they see in the tribe and be able to understand it from what they see from behind the tribe. So if they see like a conflict happening, they know that the conflict isn't the conflict and that there's something else going on and they'd be able to pinpoint what's going on. That's that the conflict is playing out as the projection, but the thing that's really happening is not really the conflict. It's something else. And so this, that's how shamans were chosen in tribes. They would see this in another, a child and they would see, or in a teenager and they'd say, Oh, I want to take this, the shaman say, I want to take this person as my apprentice because they had that ability. And so now what's happening is you have a lot of culture where people are literally going into this idea of, I want to be a shaman, I want to be a shaman, I want to be a shaman. So they'll go to these places and they'll learn bits and pieces and then bring it back to the Western world. And no one knows how to do the due diligence. So people are just like, yeah, sure, no problem. And then they, you know, this person, I mean, I was in LA and I met this guy and he, he lives in uh, Santa Barbara and he asked me, he was doing a ceremony at his house and he was charging, I think it was like $50,000 and it was including like, you know, the beginning cleansing, going and doing the ayahuasca. And then after they'd stay at the house and be pampered and get massages and all kinds of different things. It was a big ticket. And he said, I would really like you to be there because I know that you're a shaman and I would love to have you there and and I'm going to administer the medicine. And I said, well, how much knowledge do you have of shamanism? Like shamanism isn't just about administering medicine. Shamanism is about understanding the, the, the understanding of the body and spirit and paying attention to nature and being able to understand sensorium and understand how people operate in their consciousness that they show you and what's really going on behind the scenes. There's a lot that plays into it. And he's like, well, that's why I want you there. And I was like, well, I'm going to have to decline. And he said, why? I said, because you're taking money from people at $50,000 a pop. All these big celebs are coming to your place. You're going to do this big ceremony. You have no protection. You have no protection. You don't even, I, I guarantee you, you don't even know if a spirit came in. I go, because in the spirit world, 
spirit world is, is is pretty vast. And but when someone puts something in their body that's on the physical realm, because they have a physical body, it literally it literally looks like a Batman emblem going shiny. You know, when you see Batman, you see that shiny. How they, he would like let everyone know that he was around. I think is what he was doing, where it'd be like a Batman symbol in the sky, and you could be across the city and see that Batman symbol. Well, that's what it looks like in the spirit world. And so all of a sudden, you see. This thing and spirits can immediately transport themselves to your location and see you. But if the shaman is strong and holds down the space and creates a sacred space, that spirit can't get in to jump into your body while your body's completely open and you're stepping across the bridge into the spirit world. So when you have someone who's novice and you have someone who doesn't know about wards, doesn't know about um, protection, um, doesn't know about different spirits that are out there, I mean, like, you know, one of the first things we learn in shamanism are about the different types of spirits that exist on the physical world, that exist in the middle plane, that exist in the higher planes, and how to build a relationship with them so that when we when they enter, what they smell like, what sensation moves through our body, what type of sounds would we hear if they were to show up, and what types of things would happen in the environment when certain ones would show up. Is it hot? Is it cold? You know, all of these different things so that when you are in ceremony and you are holding space, you know that everyone's opening up their vessel and you have to be a steward to their vessel while they're going across that bridge. And when you're not, like I knew one shaman fell asleep, went to go in his hut and sleep while everyone was in ceremony and left them there. And one of my friends freaked out because they felt like there was something trying to like shake them and get into their body. And they had the worst experience. They ended up leaving the group and going out into the jungle by themselves. And this thing was like coming after them. And literally they they left the jungle because they couldn't defend themselves from this thing. And they were completely in in the spirit world while being in their body on the medicine. They went to the hut where the shaman was and he was sleeping and they woke him up, you know, and then he came back and like took care of the situation. But there's so it's really important, like you said, to for people to really get into a space of like, who who is holding the ceremony before I open up my vessel and walk that bridge, walk across that spirit bridge into um, the unknown? Who is holding space for me? And I think that's really important tribe to to really think about and 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 put your mind to if you're going to embark upon these these um, ceremonies and really like David said, go into it with reverence, go into it with respect, go into it with understanding that these are lineages of you know knowledge and ancient wisdom that you're stepping into, and you don't just go into it, you know, like you're about to go to a party, but you really go into it. What do you what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. You know and all the stories you shared and 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 so forth uh, you know just highlighting the i guess the 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 integrity that can be brought to the space and again you know there's 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 always two sides to everything you know and and it is also just from my experience i just like to bring awareness to the beauty that I have seen for people that have engaged in these experiences and that I've been in uh, and witnessed firsthand. However, you know, I have been very blessed to work with some of the best facilitators uh, that are out there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it makes a big difference, I feel. And uh, I, I really 
think that it's great that you're bringing, you know, the awareness to that, to people that are interested in, in experiencing these ceremonies, to, to do it for the right reasons and to put a bit of effort into first and foremost listening to yourself and is it right for you or maybe something else is, is better for you. Go and do Vipassana. Go and sit for 10 days by yourself with no distractions. That's, that's a powerful medicine, you know, and one that absolutely, you know, was a catalyst for my growth early on to sit 10 days and, you know, just take the vision internally and to heal yourself because we are master healers. We are master practitioners. We, you know, there's, there's people out there that can help us, but the, the one that will help us the most is ourselves. Mm, I love that. How can people find you? Well, probably just be hanging out with you for a bit so they can contact you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, they can go to my Instagram, which mm-hmm. is uh, Conscious Jaguar, and they can contact me through there. That's probably the best way to get to me. It's You know, I've had a big dislocation from social media and, and everything and have been just in in the real beauty of 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 nature and and just going uh with the ebb and flow of life without that kind of white noise that I like to refer to sometimes but at the same time I do realize we are in a modern world and and technology is our friend uh if we learn to develop you know a healthy relationship with it not when you're sitting on your phone for you know 3 4 5 hours a day that is not a healthy relationship, but I see that this is a way of engaging with people and I'm here to do as much as I possibly can to bring uh, goodness and light and happiness into people's lives. Yeah, we need you, David. We need you. When I first met you, I was like, what? You're off the grid. <laughs> I was like, we need you. We're we're on a we're on a front line right now. We're on a major revolution. We're on the brink of this huge revolution and you're off the grid. Can you please come back? <laughs> we need you on the front line. Get over here. You're a general. Let's let's do this together. Hand to hand, feet to feet, heart to heart, you know. Yes. And thank you for you were actually like a big motivator and catalyst, as was Andrew. And I, I appreciate that support and for someone that's been engaged in the space and, you know, is doing podcasts and, and posting and really connecting with people, I've been able to learn and, and see the power of that and the strength of that. And so I, I recognize that there's, there's a place for everything. And you have a website as well, right, that people can go to? Yeah, it's, uh, I'm, I'm. I'm renovating it at the moment, so I'll 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 launch it on on the Instagram and yeah, Conscious Jaguar is probably the best way to just to get in touch with you. To get in touch, fantastic. Watch what I'm doing. Well, we're really grateful, and that's my gratefulness for today. I have a lot, well, actually, I have a lot of gratefulness for today, but you're you're on my grateful thing today, which is um, I'm very grateful for you being here with the tribe we love you and we honor you and your words your your teachings and your stories have touched the hearts of many people and i know that they're listening right now with open wide hearts and getting lit and feeling powerfully um loved and expressed by your by the beauty and the nature of your being so thank you for being on today's share thank you for having me it's been an absolute joy and honor 
All right, tribe, how wonderful and beautiful that was to be with our brother, Conscious Jaguar, aka David Dillon, and be on the beautiful stories and the essence and teachings and the love. Oh, the love. Didn't you feel that love and the energy that comes when he speaks and the wisdom and the way he elocutes his words that just went right into your being, didn't it? How wonderful was that? So beautiful, so wonderful. So I encourage you to check him out on Instagram at Conscious Jaguar. And I'm so happy that you were here for today's share and our tribal council, our amazing lit committee, our litty committee. And also just a call to action. Please leave a review. Um, if you don't have iTunes, please sign up just to leave your review. So the more people can come into our tribe and we can preserve knowledge and wisdom and share and, and expound and express and love love and gather and then we get to bring that out to every single person we meet the uber driver the person at the grocery store the person we pass on the street our children our lovers our friends the the dog in the room the cat the bird in the tree the wind that touches our face we get to bring love to all of it and that is what it's about so i'm so so happy and also if you want to take some shamanic training you can go to shamanduric.com sign up my newsletter i love you so 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 much and if you're new to ancient wisdom today uh please check out some of the other shows you don't have to just come on and start with where we are go back and listen to all the amazing wonderful people amazing beautiful souls that we've had with us in our shares and until next year i love you always and forever bye <laughs>